that's what I'm hoping for when I meet my birth family is that I'm like, oh, that's where I got my nose from. Or, you know, that's why I like this color. Like, just something like... Welcome back to Colombian Influence. So, well, I just wanted to say this is the podcast where we talk about adoption, using our own experiences as adoptees, as well as stories from others in our community. With that being said, we're so excited to do an interview today with Mariah. Risa, you know her, correct? Yeah, yeah. She and I were uh, friends back in college. Um, she was a couple years behind me, and we were in the music department and did some theater together at Concordia. So... Uh, newer way back when it feels like really long ago and it, I guess kind of was like six years ago which feels like I feel ancient even just saying that but yeah so she and I knew each other then of course she was one of those people that it was like when we met and we talked it was like oh my god you were adopted I was adopted so I am really excited that we get to chat with her today and too I'm so excited to hear her story so welcome Mariah Good to see you. Me too. Oh my god. I don't think I've seen you since like homecoming, uh, probably like 2017 or something. And I was probably in the beer tent or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Been a while, man. I know. How are you? What are you doing? Oh, I'm living my my best life. No, oh, who is right now? I mean, honestly. That's our That's world weird. now. Well, I would love to introduce you to my co-host Erica. Well, nice to meet you. <laughs> you too. We're so excited to talk to you today. So, um, all right. Well, I guess uh, let's get started. Um, today, like we uh, said, we're introducing and interviewing Mariah, who I was friends with back in college. Haven't seen in a hot second. So, um, thank you for joining us, Mariah. Yeah, I'm glad I can be here. <laughs> um, why don't we just dive right into the questions we had uh, about, you know, your life and adoption and everything. Um, if you want to just kind of start with just a little bit of information about yourself, where you're from, like where you were raised, uh, kind of your basic adoption story, just kind of the, the basic details to get us going. Okay. So um, I'm from Minnesota, grew up here. I'm in the Twin Cities. I've lived here my entire life. But I was born in Georgia. My adoption was a closed adoption. So I came home at about six weeks. I was born in December, came home in February. Um, and I don't really know anything about my birth family because of that. The adoption was actually closed. So technically, if it's a closed adoption, you cannot see any information about them until you're 18. Mm -hmm. And then that's like the age that you can try and go and find them. I have currently not found them yet, so... That's kind of a brief overview of um, my story. I'm also from a, a mixed race family. So like my parents are both white uh, or Caucasian. And then my siblings are African-American. And then I have one sibling who is African-American and Hispanic. Okay. Are you all adopted from the same family or different adoptions or how does the family kind of tie together so we're all it's, it's all separate adoptions so we're, none of us are biologically related um i'm the oldest 
and there is quite a few years in all of us. Um, my brother is five years younger than, than me, um, and he's mixed race. And then my other brother, he is 12 years younger than I am. And my sister is 14 years younger than I am. So, I mean, adoption takes a while. So, <laughs> but it, I mean, it was interesting. All of our adoptions were closed. Um, and then three of them were as babies and one of them was through the foster care system. Oh, wow. You've got quite a variety going on then in your family. Yes. <laughs> so you said it was a closed adoption. Have you tried searching and just haven't been luck, you know, have any luck with that or have you not tried? Um, like officially actually looking and trying. Not really. Uh, my mom, when I turned 18, she told me the name of my birth mom. Um, but at the time I didn't feel like ready to go and find her. Um, you know, I was about to go into college and my siblings were still really young at the time. And like, my brother was just going through that, like, you know, like tweener phase. And like, it was just, I know it would have been too much for him, I think emotionally. And I knew that my parents, I wanted my parents to be a part of that journey. Um, and I don't want, um, my journey of finding my birth parents to interfere with the way that they're being raised right now and what's going on in, in their home right now. I just want to be respectful of that so that um, my siblings can actually, you know, fully understand what's happening before mm-hmm. that, before we all take that journey together. Cause it's, it's a lot to sift through emotionally. Um, and it brings up more questions about like their own adoption. And I don't want to put that on them yet until my parents feel like they're ready mm-hmm. and, on the side of that as a group. Interesting. That makes, that's all just, I'm already fascinated. I obviously like back when you and I met, it was like, we knew some things here and there. And I remember like meeting your family at all the Christmas concerts and all of that. And it was like, we obviously have a very different adoption story, but it's, it's really interesting that you guys all have such a different standpoint of things. But at the same time, the fact that you are in like a multiracial like family in Minnesota is, you know, obviously kind of the topic that we wanted to tackle today, especially. Um, so I guess, uh, you said that based on it being closed, obviously, cause like Erica and I are both closed adoptions because we're international. We get that. Um, are you given any, like, or know any circumstances around your adoption whatsoever? Or is it really just like you got the name when you're of your birth mom when you're 18? Yeah. I mean, let's rephrase. My mom knows a lot because, you know, like they, she knows more than I do. Okay. Um, it's really not that much in the grand scheme of things. She knows a lot more than I do. Um, they, the only reason why she knows my mom's name, my birth mom's name is because when they went to court, the judge said her name. So even that is not even like, it's not written down. My mom just remembered it. So like, True to yours, it, it is a closed adoption. You know nothing about your birth parents until you're, you turn 18. And once that happens, technically you're supposed to reach out to your adoption agency. Right. And then they can reach out to that birth mom. Um, and then you can start to have that conversation. Um, and you can ask if, like, they'll release the information about that they gathered from when you were placed. Um, but the adoption agency that I went through closed. So, like, I haven't even, like, there's not really a place to go. There's not a contact point yet. So oh, when wow. I do take a dive, it's going to be, it's going to be a dive. It's going to be a search. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting. 
it's been interesting. But like you said, obviously, it is something that you're kind of waiting to do with obviously like with your siblings and stuff. Are they um, you said there was the one from uh, foster care and such that was adopted out that way. Are the other siblings also closed adoptions then? They are all closed. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that makes sense. Being in a multiracial family, are there struggles you have dealt with when explaining your background to others? Or do people just come out with questions like, that's not your parents? You know, is it obvious for people? Or do you still have to kind of explain it compared to Risa and I? In a sense, we blend a little bit better, but we still stick out. Right. Um, Yes. Yes and no. I feel like, you know, family dynamic and family culture is so unique and each family has its own unique way that they are. Um, And that's just something that you guys, you know, develop as a family, as a unit. Um, In the perception of the world, though, it's a lot different. I would get a lot of questions or like when I was growing up, I played basketball and I was getting my picture taken for pictures that year and I was late to the team picture. So they took my individual picture and I ran right over to go get my picture taken with the team. Um, and the lady came up to me later and was like, where's your dad? Because I need him to sign this, this, this sheet. He didn't sign this sheet. And I said, oh, he's over there. His name is Jeff. And she walked over to the only black man in the room who happened to be a friend of mine's parents. And they're like, and he, she just starts, you know, well, your daughter needs this and da, da, da. And the dad's like, that's not my kid. Nope. No, her dad's over there. Like, like that happens, and you just, like, people don't know and people don't realize. Um, But, like, from the family unit standpoint, it's just, it was very normal for us. Um, We went to church in Woodbury, so I had grew up with a lot of... Oh, wow. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff that we did was over in Woodbury. My life was in Woodbury when I was growing up, and that's okay. Um, But... (laughs) I had a lot of friends who would ask me questions or wonder things about, you know, like... What is it like to be black or um, like, is it okay to say something like this or is it not okay to say something like that? So I kind of became like the token black friend in my, in my social groups. Um, Mm. At the time it was very, like for me, it was really normalized. I didn't really think anything of it. didn't really bother me at the time. It wasn't until like first year of college, like senior year of high school, where it's like you start really realizing the, the meaning behind the things that people are asking you. Um, and realizing that it's not necessarily like your place, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, this is just my role, whatever. And then I grew up and I was like, I don't really want this to always be my role. I don't always want to have to explain. I shouldn't always have to explain. Um, and so that was kind of a, a hard thing to struggle with because you wanted to be kind and courteous to people who really did have questions. And like, I am very kind and courteous to people who have questions about my adoption or about like, like who I consider to be, you know, my family or my parents. Like I take those questions in. Um, people ask them, like, even if I'm going out on a date, people have asked me before, like, so, you know, where's your real parents? And I'm like, Oh, we get that. Mm. Are my real parents. We feel that. <laughs> Girl, I know. That question is exhausting. So we feel that so hard. They've raised me. I love them. These are my, this is my home. (laughs) So, you know, and eventually they accept it. Um, But it is after they've asked questions. Right. Interesting. Do you think it helped having, um, you know, just kind of 
brothers and sisters who are mixed, also black or Hispanic, kind of help you cope with that a little bit better? Or did it not, it didn't matter to you? It didn't matter to me. Um, yeah. I have different experiences because of that. I think if I was an only child, um, oh sure, it would be it would be much different. Um, but because of the age gap, when my brother Peter came home, um, he's twelve years younger than I am. People thought that I was his mom, so that was another different ballgame that we had to walk into. Um, like I would, you know, be at a soccer game and people would ask me, "Oh, how old's your baby?" And I was twelve years old. My mom would be sitting next to me, going, "Just tell them it's your brother and he's four months old." And I'd be like, "Uh, he's my brother and um, he's four months old." And he's like, "Oh yeah, you looked a little young to have kids." I'm like, "Well, yeah." I mean, people honestly thought that I was like sixteen, but still, like the idea that like a stereotype out there too that. You know, there are a lot assumed. of yeah. assumed, yes, that, you know, you're a single black mom and that's not, that wasn't my role at the time. And I was really young. I mean, how weird. Contributed yet, And I've been asking me all these questions. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, it was a weird, it was a weird. That is so mind blowing to me. Yeah. So like, if I had been an only child, I don't think that would have happened to me, but I still think that I would have had those questions that were asked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, and so then, okay, because you said you were, like, mostly in Woodbury. Is that, like, where you went to school and, like, your home growing up was in Woodbury then? No. We actually, I grew up in Invergrove Heights. Um, but the church that we okay. went to was in Woodbury. The doctor that we went to was in Woodbury. I was homeschooled uh, third grade through uh, 10th grade. So that also is a factor into it as well. A lot of my friends growing up were also homeschooled or were from our church group. Um, but why I was homeschooled had to also do with partially due to my race. I was in public school um, kindergarten through second grade, and I was placed into a special um, like reading classroom at the time in second grade, not because I was needed to be there, but because of the color of my skin. And they were getting more money to the school for placing me in that class, even though I didn't need to be there. And my mom found out and she called the school and was like, I could sue you guys. And oh my God. Yeah, you could sue us. Please don't. That was their response. And so my mom was like, yeah, well, this isn't happening again. I'm pulling you out of school. We're homeschooling you. So, um, yeah. Then I was homeschooled third grade through, um, 10th grade. And then I did PSU in my last two years of high school. Oh my God. That is crazy. Right. I mean, you're so young, first of all. You're oh just going throughout your day as if you you don't know any different. No. But for your mom to stick up for you and do that, that is amazing. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. She's amazing. She was serious, though. She was she was mad. She I believe it. it. Um, oh, my gosh. But I also wonder, like, if there was a difference in our races, if that would have happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if there if there wasn't a different in a racism, that would have yeah. happened. Would, would you have said it. that to her? I don't necessarily think so. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just something I've thought about over the years. I can imagine. I mean, that's shaped a lot of your life, obviously, just like being pulled out of school, being homeschooled, which I mean, I, I mean, that yeah, there's just so many elements of that that have just kind of shaped who you are now and that's I'm just I just gotta say the audacity like oh my gosh I just that's just so crazy and thinking especially 
I'm sure you see this, especially considering you do have younger siblings growing up now versus like when we grew up. I mean, times are so different now as far as, yes, you know, that being, I guess, I don't even, I hate saying acceptable, but I mean, lack of a better term, you know, that being so much more acceptable back then versus now that with social media and just with where people are and relearning, you know, how to not be racist basically is just kind of like, it's a whole different world that we live in now. So I, I'm sure that would be a whole different ball game had this happened now in like 2020. Right. Right. At the time I was one of like maybe three or four kids of color in the entire school. I mean, that's just where we lived, you know? So like times have changed that, that area in Inverter Heights is completely different oh, yeah. than that now. I mean, there's no way. There's no way the school could have gotten away with that. Right. Oh, definitely. Even 10 years left. You know what I'm saying? There's just, it wouldn't have worked. For sure. Were your siblings also homeschooled? My siblings are homeschooled, yes. Um, okay. So I went to school. My brother came home when I was like, what? I was in kindergarten at the time. So then when he started school, he just started homeschooling right away. He never actually went to public school. And then the same thing with the, the younger ones who are currently being homeschooled. Wow. Okay. I mean... It gave me so much more confidence as a person. It helped me to, like, you know, really focus into my studies. Also, like, I think it really was a blessing in disguise because it was the best thing for me as a student. Um, I really did appreciate, like, having that one-on-one time with my mom um, as she was teaching me and, you know, being able to be more independent than later on Mm. um, in, like, high school to just get my work done. Like, I was getting my work done in, like, three or four hours. So that gave me the rest of the day to do what I wanted. And so then I was able to do like voice lessons and piano lessons. And I was a part of a co-op and I babysat. And I mean, it just gave me all these different opportunities that I wouldn't have had, had I been in public school. Oh, that's so awesome. For sure. What a great twist of fate. (laughs) So that said, we did also actually have a question um, from a listener that I thought would be really interesting, especially just considering what city you grew up in and everything. And just your family dynamic, they were just wondering if there were any moments that you could pinpoint where your like ethnicity and kind of your identity when it comes to, I guess, being black in Minnesota or just, you know, being who you are. If you recall any moment where that was downplayed or you felt like you had to work more to blend in or anything like that, if that rings any truth to you. Um, that's a really hard question. I think that's, because it has like multiple different layers. I would say from like the aspect of like family, like, no, that was never downplayed. Like, you know, I don't think you, I don't think you can. I mean, I don't even know how you would do that in a family setting, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. and it, it didn't, I was just always me. My personality just always shined through and I was seen as who I am, not as a color of my mm-hmm. skin. So like that exists or there weren't stereotypes that were placed on me in my home um, based on the color of my skin. So because of that, I would say no. Um, but I also know like growing up, one of the things that I struggled with a lot was wanting to just be like everybody else. I wanted to blend in. And so it took me a really long time to realize that it's okay mm-hmm. for me not to and it's okay for me to stick out. It's okay for me to be different because that makes me an individual that makes me unique. And there's no one else on the earth that's like me. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a while to like 
get over the fact that, you know, I wasn't white. Um, but I do remember when I, I mean, this is when I was really, really little, like going back to like grade school early on, I would wish or pray that I would be white. Like, I just want to be like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Really it was, I just want to be like mom. Mm. Yeah. I just want to be like my mom. Um, but my mom really did instill in me that, you know, you're beautiful. You're black and you're beautiful. And that's a beautiful thing. I love that. I feel like having that support, a lot of, from what I've seen on different Facebook groups, things like that, multi-race um, families just have a hard time understanding each other. So with your mom supporting you, giving you that confidence boost when you're so little is so important. And I feel like she shaped you so well. I mean, that's I think awesome. it's really also, yeah, it's really just a testament to your parents and the fact that they went into it being like, we love, accept, celebrate the fact that our ch children are not like us. You know, and I think a lot of people kind of, mm -hmm. you know, it, regardless of what reason they go to adopt, a lot of the time, like at least with Erica and I and a lot of people I think in our age group or something is something to do with fertility or something like that. And it's having to, and there's a lot of talk about this with um, just having parents accept their adopted children, or I shouldn't say that, just accepting the children that they have adopted and taken into their home is that they have mm -hmm. to get past the point of like wanting their child to be like a clone of them or like we talk about this with um, a therapist that we recently worked with about some of these issues and she had said like that for a long time was the tradition is that kids take on the family business or they are like oh like father like son you know stuff like that but I think what's so great especially in your situation like I think that's really just like I said just a testament to how great that your parents just grabbed onto this scenario and we're like this is just our family and it's like and we celebrate the differences in every single person and you know I loved that you know to hear that you didn't feel any type of that type of distance you know within your family I mean I, I'm I'm thankful for that as well very thankful because I know of people who have felt that in their family and I know that that can happen not just within you know uh, multiracial mm -hmm. uh, so I don't think I think that can happen just within adoption oh, yeah. and that I mean it, it's sad for me to think about that like I have friends that have that has happened to them before or like um but I honestly think it's just not like it stems from not putting like it's not having the right expectations exactly you know? absolutely the situation of the child and also playing into stereotypes that was one of the things like growing up that um, we were part of, I don't know if you guys are a part of like a, we would get together like occasionally with other groups of families who were adopted. So like I had friends growing up who were in multiracial um, adoptions that we like, our families were friends. And so we would hang out. I don't, ours came through an organized setting originally and then just oh. turned into friendship. Oh, how fun. And so they, which was great. Um, but like, I had, of those friends, they, people would tell them stuff like, you know, you're not black enough. Not like from their family, but that's the, like the type of sure. message that you're hearing. And I think that was really hard for them because then it was like playing into these stereotypes of like, well, this is the way you should act because of the way that you look, you know? And my mom always instilled, like, that's not the case. Like, you were your own person, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I, I mean, that was just key. 
That is such a strong yeah. point too. So you have a really great relationship with your mom. Um, what about your dad? Has he always been supportive too? Just kind of more in the background or. I mean, I think, I don't know. I'm a girl in the fact that I talk to my mom all the time. Like just yeah. like my person that I go to, but my dad is always there. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. He's amazing also. Um, and I think the, a lot of the ways that I, I, I am the spinning image of my mom. Like we are the same person, <laughs> but my kindness, I think, and like caring, like wanting to care for others and that like caretaker role and other things like that from my dad and, um, and the way that he just cares for my family and the way that he like provides and supports our family. Um, I think those aspects of my personality come from him and, and like the wanting to like, you know, give of yourself. Mm. I think that comes from him. I love that. I do too. And I was just about to say, like, I love how you get these characteristics. Like people think being adopted, you can't be in a sense like your adoptive parents or family, but you totally can. You grow, you're yeah. that's your family. Like, I just don't understand how people, I, I get it, but I don't get yeah. it. How they don't understand <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yes. But it's like, if you, no. if you grew up with a great parent or with like a set of parents that are nurturing and educational and helping you grow, you're going to grow in the ways that they provide for you. If you're, you know, I guess someone who doesn't, I guess, get that kind of family, you know, that's a different story. But I mean, Erica and I talk all the time about nature versus nurture. And that is totally yeah. something that I think every adoptee is like, this is this, this is that, like, yes. I totally yeah. get what you're saying with that, for sure. <laughs> but I think that everything they both play, play a role. Oh, yeah. And it's really cool to see those things. It's like, well, like, I've had friends who've met their birth parents, and it's like, oh, well, this is something that I obviously got from them. This is something that I got from my birth parents, but then this is the other thing that I got from my adoptive parents. Like, they can see the differences Right. I'm hoping for when I meet my birth family is that I'm like, Oh, that's where I got my nose from. Or, you know, that's why I like this color. Like just something like small that like, can I, I can attribute to that. It's yes. not just, you know, not all, um, nurture. Sure. I don't think it's, I think it's a mix of both, you know, which I think that is something yeah. that, I mean, I guess, okay. I guess going on to a question that I didn't really originally have planned. Um, that kind of just brings okay. me to thinking about like my journey with like identity and such, and just kind of figuring mm -hmm. out who I am is has, have you done any like, um, or can you attribute any particular like character trait that you would maybe say, I can't necessarily put this on with my family that I've grown up with forever. My parents, I don't know if it's with my bio family or anything like that, but this is something that I am just so, I guess, proud of to be you. Like something that you're just like, this is my identity and I love this about myself. Um, no, no. I think that's because of where I find my identity. I find my identity in Christ and I find my identity in my faith. And that's like first and foremost who I am. Um, and then other, everything that stems from that is either a part of like the walk of my faith mm. or it's a part of like, the way that I grew up. Um, and I think honestly, for me, I think that would be more of a, um, 
physical feature that I might find in someone else in my birth family um, to maybe, you know, like have the same nose or like have the same physical features that they might have um, that I don't necessarily see in my family currently. And Eric and I get that with both of us having really curly hair. Like we both (laughs) stick out so much in that way. And we're like, well, clearly this is because obviously that's a genetic thing. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) I totally get what you're saying though. Personally, I felt like I didn't really have that either. I kind of just blended perfectly with my family. You know, they're sport people. They, you know, we just joke. All of that just blends. I know you kind of go back on talking about finding your birth mom. Do you have a timeline yet then when you think about doing that or? Oh, I, I had a timeline originally and it was going to be like, like the first year that I got out of college, like I was thinking like senior year, I'm going to get out. I'm going to get established a little bit. And then, I, and like every, like every year, something is in like, Oh, it's not, this is not the year. Oh, this is not the year. Um, and like in 2020 the year for nothing. Right. So. <laughs> but then also like COVID and then COVID hit. Um, and this was, this was the, this is also personal information about me. This is my year to be like, I've saved up enough money. I, I can buy a house. I saved up enough money that I can like go on a trip with my friends. Like I, I've now established myself. I've been working at the same job at the same school teaching. Um, this will be my fifth year being there. I'm tenured in the district. So like, I can't ever lose my job. I'm not going to move schools. So like, I wanted to accomplish those things before, um, I decided to go and like venture out onto that journey. Um, but 2020 has been really hard in knowing the fact that like, I don't know if she has died or not because COVID is a COVID. Like you just never know, you know? And I think that has really put it in the back of my mind to be like, this is something that I really want to do and I would like to do sooner rather than later. Um, it's also really hard because um, I want my, fa- my I want my family to be a part of that. And really, I want my parents to be a part of that. Um, yeah. My mom it, um, is in a wheelchair. So she has a, a disease called Charcot-Marie Tooth. And it's a disease that attacks the um, nerve system of her body. And so her muscles are weak. Because of that, like, we're very careful about COVID. Like, if I've been out with people, like, I need to, like, shower and, like, not be around people for, like, before I go over and see her or hug her. Like, she won't hug me unless she knows that I haven't been around people for a while or I've, like, recently showered. Like, that's just something just to be very cautious. And so the mm-hmm. idea of, like, trying to go find my birth mom or find my birth family without my parents because they're, they don't want to go out because of COVID and without, mm-hmm. like, somebody with you, that is a little intimidating. Oh, sure. Absolutely. The whole thing is so much. You want that support. Absolutely. Well, I can understand your point of like also making sure you're at a place in your life where, I mean, I I think adoptees like Erica and I have this in common where we don't like change and we like things to stay the same and just like be stable. And I'm sure this is a really, really big time for stability to be so important before you go change what you don't actually even know is going to change. Like this could jostle some type of foundation that you already have. So it's like, I get where you're coming from with that. But obviously, like you said, I mean, COVID has just been, I don't even know. It's changed so many things in ways that you would never expect anything to happen like that. So it's, man, (laughs) 
Like, I mean, I guess with that in particular, especially like as you kind of go on with that, I mean, we certainly want to be like a support for you, however that is. So whenever you decide to do that, if you do have any questions, like Erica's gone through that process, it's obviously been very different since it was international, but like, it's, it's a journey that you need people that kind of can empathize in very, very specific ways. So, you know, we're here for it. Can I ask what, what happened in your situation? After? Yeah. So with me, I went with a group of people. Um, and so I personally feel so blessed that my situation turned out how it did because I had friends who actually traveled with me. One, her birth mom didn't want to meet her because she had another family. Another one, the mom passed away before. So, you know, she just got the document. She heard, you know, stories, at least had pictures, you know, some type of closure, but not the face-to-face. I was able to meet my birth mom, and I have a brother, a half-brother. So I was able to meet him as well. And, you know, you do feel that connection instantly. I did anyway. When I saw her, hugged her, met her, our eyes are the same. Our lips are the same. Obviously, my nose must be from my dad. She doesn't know who he is, but, you know, that's a little bit different. But, you know, those features, things like that, it was like a nice closure. But at the same time, with her being so far away and with her only speaking Spanish and me English, there is still that kind of disconnect Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm so thankful that I have my family as that support. We're like, okay, I feel comfortable and confident with them, but also have just that knowledge and closure on the other side as well. So I think it took me a while for it to be a full circle. Initially, it was just so much to take in. I didn't know how to kind of process it, but I did it when I was 18. And so I would... Everything was brand new. So, you know, like young, it was, I just ripped the bandaid off. And I think Mariah's <laughs> cracking me up right now. <laughs> it worked for me, but it took till maybe this past year for it to finally just all be closed up. So I was a little bit you'll have, you have grown, you have stability, you have what you want. You're going to have that support. You have faith. Like it's going to, it's going to be just fine. And you're going to be able to go into it with confidence and not kind of that blindsidedness of kind of those, all those what ifs. I mean, you had that a little bit, but I guess if anything this year has taught you, it's just don't take anything for granted start that journey, even you starting and looking for her doesn't mean, you know, your parents won't be there to support you. You can meet her, you know, once this is all over, just getting that connection and yeah, yeah, just kind of starting it out is the hardest part, but it's once you get started, you don't want to stop. You know, you're like, Oh, you get excited every little moment of a new detail. So Truly wishing the best for you. It's it's a lot though. I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. I oh man, eighteen. I can't imagine. Like I know. I know. I was, I was stuck on that for days after Erica. I learned that from Erica. I was like, "Are you crazy?" Like it took me so much to not blurt that out when I she and I were talking in the office for the first time about this. I was like, "What? You're insane." 
I've just changed so much since then, you know? Like, I feel like I'm, I'm oh, gosh. you know, you come in, I've come into my own person now, you know? So like, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's just, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm happy, though, for you that it turned out, you know, okay. And for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely been like, so growing up, I had a, uh, my music, my vocal coach, she also mm-hmm. adopted, um, and her family was, um, she was adopted into a white family and she's white but like she had always taught we talk about it every once in a while and one of the things she always used to say was like I really just want to like part of me wanted to think like thought about maybe like you know becoming um somebody like big and then being like I hope that you're out there somewhere and I'm like wishing you the best and like you know like a really strong advocate for for adoption um but part of the reasons why like the draw I think for me to go back and meet her and find her is to be like, thank you so much for what you did. You gave me a life. You gave me these things. Like I, I just want you to know that I'm okay. And I want to know that you're okay. And if you would like to have a relationship, like that's what I would love to, to do. I'd love to just get to know you and understand like mm-hmm. what happened and where you came from and like know about like what would be our history then, you know, like that's mm-hmm. what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, yeah. But we'll we'll see if that if that happens. So there's also that, yeah. that little voice in the back of your head that's like, remember, this may not happen for you. You just have to like you know keep it realistic. Like, you can oh hope, yeah. But like realistically, that may not be what happens, and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But just keeping your face strong in it, it'll work out how it's supposed to. So truly, the best of luck. And of course, like Risa said, we are always there. And what I told Risa too is. No matter what you find out, you have some type of closure. You won't have that unknown anymore. So you'll be able to cope with whatever situation you are dealt with. But at least you'll have some type of knowledge on what what it is, which is kind of a perspective I think, Risa, you didn't even think about. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't. Like, I think it's a really, it's a very big scary thing it's like looking out into space and just realizing there's so much out there and it's endless the the possibilities are endless and it's just like it's a lot to take in so it's a lot to even start obviously because it's like step one into all of this and it's just into the you know it's obviously a lot that you would have to navigate but you know it would like erica said have at least a end point I guess for lack of a better term but do you feel like it's been beneficial for you guys yes absolutely what what else just the journey the experience of that journey has it been like beneficial or is it has it helped you I don't know has it changed you in any way like positive or negative that you didn't think was possible um I think for me Finding my birth mom at first, it was like amazing. You know, I've always wondered who she was, what she was like, my background story. So just getting those few questions answered was everything. But then it also left a lot of unknown because she didn't know who her parents were. Mm -hmm. You know, she was with her aunt when she was little and then she ended up dropping out of school in third grade and then just became um, a maid and lived with other people. So she didn't have much of her family background either. So that kind of, you know, the medical questions, things like that, I still will never know. 
I will never know who my dad is. Things like that. It kind of was like, oh, that's tough. But you then switch it back to that positive thinking of, but you still have some answers. Like, that's what I keep going back to. You're not left in the dark anymore. And for me, she was just so excited. She said she's always thought about me. And so it that was just like, oh, okay, you didn't forget about me. You know, like I was always kind of in the back of your mind. And as being an, a grown woman, like her strength to do that is amazing. Like I could not imagine what they go through, you know, like the difficulties we have as well, like put yourself in their shoes. It's so hard. And so for you, you know, kind of wanting that with your birth mom, just letting her know you're okay, I think will be amazing for her also, because she'd be like, Oh, you know, I made the right decision for you. So it definitely was life changing. I would not change how it turned out. Um, I would do it all over again if I could or had to. And I'm on a totally different track of things. Like I haven't really, you know, pursued that. I've more so done personal work on just myself because I I don't think it was like a lack of identity. It was more so just I needed to feel more grounded in who I was. I think just as my life has progressed and how my life has changed and just I feel like with my particular like talents, like, like I said, I'm the musical one in the family. And just like, I always harped on that when I was younger. So when I stopped pursuing like music and theater as a career, I feel like I had a sense of guilt with it because it was like, I'm supposed to use this gift, you know, something like that, where there is so much more of me that has to give to the world and to like, progress as an adult and a person. And that's, I think honestly, with just Erica and I started this podcast a year ago, that plus me just doing therapy on my own, like I've done a ton with that just as far as different identity stuff. And, and just with this, it's like, this I think lends more to my actual identity than just being like, oh, you're a random person with a good voice or whatever, you know, and it's just kind of like a random talent. It doesn't have to stick to be everything about who I am. So I think for me, it was just like, there was a lot of those kinds of things. And I'm very much like you, Mariah, where it's like, I need all of my ducks to be in a row for a very long time before I feel good about rocking the boat at all. So (laughs) I feel (laughs) you. I just rock it. And then I figure it out after trying to put the pieces back together. Like, Oh shit. What did I just do? (laughs) (laughs) It's the chaos that ensues that like scares me. So. Have you guys done yeah, any like? Have you guys done any like DNA testing? Yes, we did Twenty Three and Me. And okay. have you? I have. Yes. Okay. Did you do the health one also, or did you just do the regular DNA? I did the regular DNA, and I did it through like this family tree, which was not. <sighs> Anyway, not very good. So I did that was like um, an off Broadway version of DNA testing. I yeah, feel like that yeah. was very common. <laughs> oh, that's so true, though. Then I did Ancestry.com, okay. um, which was—I mean, it was cool. Like, I'm not gonna lie, it was—it. I think it's cool. My hope is also that, like, maybe one day somebody in my family will like 
magically put their DNA into this thing and then I won't have to work to do See, that's what I was wondering too, and I'm just kind of like, you know, anything, refresh, like this would be so much no. easier. <laughs> Which actually for me though, I did meet a, uh, I think she's a, uh, I can't remember, she's somewhere between second and third cousin who lives in Madison, Wisconsin, who oh. is, um, I think just about four years older than me. And she and I are like Facebook friends and it's like, she and I plan to meet at some point and it's just like she kind of has the same look as me where it's like she's I mean like Erica and I were pale in comparison to some Colombians and um, she has straight hair but it's like we still kind of have that same sort of same look as type as type of Colombians but so like it's that even will be something that's like groundbreaking for me where it's like being in the same room as someone who shares DNA like that's mind-blowing to me right Right. Between the two that you did, did you notice a lot of differences? Like, okay, this doesn't make sense or some similarities? There, I mean, there were a lot of similarities. Like in both of them, I think it's like I'm 98% African and like to a region that is similar. So like that was, oh, okay. but it's that like other, you know, percentages <laughs> that are like, and especially when they get down to like your one point, like right. 0.2% this. And I'm like, okay, come on now. Like, <laughs> They did trace in, in Ancestry and Me, they give you a little bit more history, which I appreciated. Ooh. So they said that technically, like, my ancestry, they say, would come from Africa and then was here in the United States as slaves. Because it would come, anyway, that's where they came in. So, like, that was also interesting. Like, I had, you know, you always assume those things. Like, you just assume. But you can't always assume because there is that possibility that, like, you know, you're, like, your ancestors actually like came over as immigrants and they were here for like a long period. Like, you know, you just never know. Yeah. Like, but that was really cool. That they were able to like trace it back and they trace it back to, um, South Carolina. That's where they trace it back to. Wow. And they, it was like, this is where the population of people that have your DNA like are I'm like, okay, so I'm definitely Southern. <clears throat> Dude, that's so cool. I'm so excited to do the ancestry one now. Oh my God. Yeah. It is cool. I liked it. <laughs> But I've loved talking to you about like all the like, I don't know, just this conversation has just been, I think, really eye opening, hopefully for you as well. But for us, it's like this was really one that we were excited about. But um, I guess uh, I guess to kind of wrap things up, I suppose, a question we always like to ask is like, what is one thing if you had to put it on as your campaign slogan or just something that we can put out there as far as what you say about adoption. What is one thing that you wish people could realize about adoption or that would be more maybe common knowledge or something like that? More common knowledge is something that people should know. I mean, first and foremost, it's a great thing. Like adoption is, is, is such a great option. Mm-hmm. And it's something that people I think should consider more often Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's a lot of stigma around like, well, this is not my child. Like they'll never be really be mine. And it's like, love is love. Like if you love that child, they will love you back. You know, it's not, has nothing to do with their genes. It, it doesn't matter. It's so false. Yes. <laughs> um, but then also like, not like not everything is sunshine and rainbows because kids are not always sunshine and rainbows. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. like first of like, the second part of it would be it, it can be difficult and um, you can't chalk everything up to the fact that that child is adopted. 
like they're acting out, oh, it's because they're adopted. No, it's not. It's because they're a child and they're, they're asking you for something. Um, so those, definitely those two things. And like, really got it as parents, we have to like really dive in and figure out like what is wrong with that child. We can't just chalk it up to a stereotype or the fact that they don't look or sound the way that you do. Mm. Um, so like, you know, love and grace, like they just conquer everything. Like, you know, that would oh, be my two things. I love that. I think that's a really good, I don't know, just the, especially just to kind of wrap up the way that you grew up and everything, especially just with, figuring out, you know, it's not because they're adopted. It's a slew, like whole slew of things, but also parents do need to be up for the challenge that there will be different types of challenges that come up yes. partially because they're adopted or because it's not something that you went through because it's not in your genes or something like that. Like anything like that, I think people need to be more prepared for. And like you said, we totally agree that people need to consider this more. And that said, that goes into a whole different thing. I could get up on my soapbox and talk about how it's too hard for people to do and how millennials, you know, are trying to do it, but we're all poor. So house, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're younger than both of us, I think. So I'm like, Mariah, take it away, please. <laughs> Yeah, but my parents were kind enough to let me stay there for, you know, for free. There, there's there's that. That's <laughs> being smart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Erica, do you have any other questions for Mariah? No, I think that was a great ending. Do you have any other questions for us, Mariah? No, I wish we... Man. Wish we had more time. We will return back to you because I feel like this was honestly one of the most eye-opening conversations we've ever had. So we would love for you to be, you know, more part of what we do at Colombian Influence to get people more comfortable talking about it so that you're not having, and we're not having to do the job of, um, you know, educating people when they just have weird questions when you're just trying to get to know someone. You know, we really want it to be a mainstream thing that we can educate people in a comfortable, fun way, like this conversation. So we will be back to you, girlfriend. And text us, let us know how you're doing. We're here all the time. We're not doing anything. Yeah, we don't do anything either. So (laughs) (laughs) it'd be cool to go out for coffee with you ladies. Yes, please. That would be so fun. We would love that. (laughs) Shut up, Erica. Don't make it hurt more. I mean, it's true though. Nothing is open. We could do a FaceTime coffee date. I'm down. Yeah, we could do that. I am down with that. Please. You know, I'm really done though with Google. I just Google Meet. (laughs) Sorry, I'm on Google Meets all day. I teach via Google Meet. I'm just like over the virtual. I I need some contact. I I would say outside, but I hate the cold. So. We'll have to be creative. We'll figure out something. We will definitely have to reconnect with you soon so that none of us are going crazy going in in the new year because. Ugh. Thank you well, so have much. A rest of your day. Good luck with distance learning. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Bye, girl. Bye. Well, we just wrap things up with talking to Mariah, and I there we could have talked for like three hours. That was Easily. such a great conversation. I I did write something down during, um, and I can't remember if I'd, I'd probably mentioned this in one of our early episodes, but I kind of wanted to revisit it because I thought it was, I thought of it and I thought it was kind of funny, but 
when we had asked her about like feeling like you have to blend in or anything. And she said like with her family, she didn't feel that. And I don't think I did with my family either. It was more so um, just the time I grew up. I just remember for probably about five years straight, if not longer, I would ask for, excuse me. Um, I would ask for different types of hair straighteners for like Christmas and birthdays and stuff. And I, my mom probably wasted so much money on those, which obviously nowadays they make them better. So they actually can straighten my hair. But that was also just back in the day when like straight hair was it and curls, curls weren't fashionable. Whereas now it's like texture is not only kind of, I guess, fashionable if you want to use that term, but also it's respected and it's actually nourished by the you know beauty industry which i love because there's actually stuff out there for us but that's just something i will never forget growing up in that time of you know in the early 2000s and and all that just because stick straight hair was just what the fashion was i always wanted to have my hair permanently straightened and my mom would say absolutely not i tried it once it didn't work oh I like didn't even do it to my curls because my curls are like, excuse me, no. <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. Don't kick me out. Yeah, I, I, my mom would never let me do it, and I thank her for that now because I love my curls, and and now they finally have good products for it too. Like, exactly. but I agree on that one. So this is one of hopefully a couple interviews that we are doing for just to kind of represent. Black History Month and um, just kind of acknowledge uh, that essence of people's identity and history for this month. So we're really excited about everything else that we get to share uh, for interviews or just other um, content on our pages. So be sure to check that out. Um, Otherwise, if you do have any questions after this interview that you would like us to cover in a future episode, definitely send them our way. As always, like our Instagram, Facebook, comment, any questions, subscribe, subscribe to our podcast. Until next time.